0: Uh, good afternoon. Thanks for joining today's call. Uh, this is the third call in, in respect to the SSI3. Today we have Mr. Ranveer Singh, Managing Director and Co-founder of Fish. Prior to founding Fish, Ranveer was an Associate Partner at McKinsey. He has over 15 years of experience in retail credit and collections. Ranveer is a B.Tech in Mechanical Engineering from IIT Bombay and an MBA from IIM Bangalore. Fish is one of the largest fintechs in India. It, it focuses on purchase financing and personal loans. it is is the forefront of using data and machine learning in assessing retail credit and collections. It has 100% digital process with no manual intervention. It has presence at over 3,000 retail stores and has partnership with Flipkart, Amazon and Mike. In today's discussion, we will be focusing on five key areas. First, how, the, how are the trends in collections? And uh, how can we dimension the collection problem faced by NBFCs, especially operating in the commercial, consumer durable, financing, and personal loan segment? Second is uh, how is the moratorium perceived by the customer? Is it a boom or bail for the system?
1: Thirdly, what are the trends on liquidity for uh, NBFCs, especially in the fintech segment? Fourth, what are the trends before COVID-19 in terms of consumer stress? And lastly. Uh, will there be any changes uh, in the business model which
0: will be required for, uh, uh, for the fintechs post-COVID-19? To start with Raneer, uh it would be great if you can give us some more information around product customer segment and scale of operation of fish. fish. Sure, Nidesh. Uh, Nidesh, first of all, thank you. And uh, thanks for the, you know, pleasure of inviting me here. Um, just to put the discussion in context, and to provide the right perspective, let me just lay out what segment we operate in. And in that context, the five issues that we have raised, out, uh, raised can actually be addressed as I talk about uh, uh, those. So first and foremost, uh, some of you may be knowing we are one of the largest uh, fintech uh, in India. focused on purchase financing and personal loan. When we say purchase financing, it is basically funding it for purchases, these purchases could be products or services. On the product side, it could be a mobile handset, electronic durable, furniture, uh, electronics, so on and so forth. On the, on the services side, it could be, say, for education purposes, vocational courses kind of a thing. Or it could be for travel. So one of the partners that we have is, say, Make My Trip. In the pre-COVID era, we used to fund, uh, even, uh, air travel. Uh, quite extensively and whole host of other services that we find. 50% of whatever disbursement we do is purchase financing. Then there is 50% which is personal loan. Personal loan given the definition they are, uh, uh they are product where we do not capture the end use, uh, clinically. So the customer basically takes the money and they will be using it for different, uh, needs that the customer may have, but may not necessarily be properties. Uh, just to give you some dimension of the operation we run, we have close to around 12 lakhs uh, customers. These are customers who have taken loans from us at some point in time. Uh, we have we operate in a segment which is uh, I would say more mass market. Uh, to describe the segment These are customers who have an income level between 10,000 to say 50,000. That is the 80% of our customer segment. This is 10,000 to 50,000 per month. We have close to around 40% of our customers which are new to credit. So when they take loan from us, we are the first institution which is giving them credit. Uh, Before that they may not have, they may have taken loan but not taken from some institution per se. Uh, We have a very high proportion of young people. So when I say young people, these are people who, I mean 87% of our customers are less than 32 years of age. We operate both in tier 1, tier 2 towns. It is not as if this kind of population you only get in tier 2. In fact, uh, like any other large NGSC, a bulk of our business comes from tier 1. And then clear one when I said these are not the, of course, affluent locations in a place like Mumbai or Delhi, but more like the market neighborhood or, or, you know, something which is uh, uh, on the fringes when it comes to the income level of the uh, people. Um, that's, in a nutshell, what we uh, are operating. We are currently active in close to around 140 cities in India, which uh, more or less cover a large part of India. A large part of the credit opportunity uh, part of India. Just maybe one more, uh, uh, you know, few more things on the business model for you. To sure. appreciate. Um on the purchase financing side, of course, we have offline and online channel both. On the offline side, we uh, have close to around 3,000 more stores. These stores are not the formatized uh, or the large retail price uh, of course, we operate in some smaller digits, but more like uh, a smaller store, hole-in-the-wall kind of a store run by a proprietor usually. Uh, on the online side, we are in partnership with uh, all the large e-commerce or uh, say an e-aggregator one can think of. We uh, make mydress, Flipkart, Amazon, some of the big furniture companies, uh, so on and so forth. So, that's a very quick background of
1: what we, what we do. Thanks, thanks for the introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, coming to the the biggest question that we are facing right now on collections, uh,
0: given COVID-19 has impacted income levels of customers, and at the same time, it has impacted our ability to reach out to, to the customers. Uh, in that context, how are you seeing the collection trends in our Europe portfolio? Uh, are there any differences based on customer segment, products, geography, uh, and how you plan to scale your collection infrastructure uh, to to solve the collection problem that uh, you are likely to face. Oh, absolutely. So uh, needless to say, this is the biggest problem any NDSP in the retail space is facing today, the whole problem of collection. Uh, just to put some numbers so that we have a full perspective on what what is the uh, dimension or the range and depth of the problem we are talking about, Pre-COVID, our bounce rate used to be around 22 to 24 percent, which post-COVID has gone to as high as 45 to 48 percent. It has literally become doubled. Uh, The resolution we used to have in the first bucket uh, was 92.5 was the average. It may still be slightly lower than what Bajaj, people like Bajaj used to uh, achieve. Uh, based on whatever secondary information one had, uh, this resolution has come down to as low as 60% in the post-COVID Uh There are some very interesting trends uh, which become helpful as we think about our collection uh, strategy going forward. First and foremost, uh, um, whenever we have seen delinquency increasing, we have seen that increase correlated to people becoming non-contactable while this is not what we are seeing during the corona period it's not as if people are non-contactable and hence they are not paying in fact the contact contactability remains as robust or as good as what it used to be before it's just that uh, people are saying they can't pay or they want to avail a moratorium or some other form of a delayed payment kind of a structure uh, so the non-contactability which used to be around 2, 2.5% has m- almost remained same to 2, 2.5%. The medium of reaching out to the customer, now it can vary from different, uh, you know, NGFC to NDSP. But in our collection setup uh, there was a very heavy reliance on telecalling, uh, not so much on the PE collection, there was a reliance on PE collection also. In fact, one best way to characterize it is 80% was telecalling, 20% was uh, field collection. Of course, post-corona, the 20% has become zero percent. There is no way people can go out and start knocking on customers' door to get money. Uh, even if that zone is in green or a, or a amber time, uh, given the extent and the intensity of lockdown, uh, the lockdown is very wholesome in that sense. Even on the telecalling, I think the first two weeks were never smooth because uh, uh, today when we do telecalling, and not only us, any other company, based, uh, you know, in large company, there is this whole infrastructure of dialer, process, it is like a BPO setup. And to replicating to replicating all this setup while people working from home and making calls was not easy. And most of the callers, sometimes they may be in a setup where it is not easy to, you know, call without having background noise being there, or having the right setup for them to call. Uh, but I think from a collection effort standpoint one, uh, rather insurmountable challenge which we have been able to, uh, able to address is that uh, we now run a collection shop on telecalling which is uh, purely remote. So people are working from home and they are calling from there and uh, that is at least one reason that one is able to achieve the, the resolution number of as high as 60 percent, uh, which perhaps in our case can go higher as well. A few other things to be, uh, to be noting here is, um, when we look at the customer data, as uh, uh, Nadeshu mentioned in the introduction as well, we do have access to a lot of customer data. There are some very interesting trends we are seeing post-corona, okay. which has implications on the election side as well. First and foremost, one of the things we have seen is post-corona, the flows, the monthly flow in a customer account has come down significantly. To our customers, the average monthly inflow used to be around 22,000 odd, which has, and this I'm talking about banking transactions, which has come down to something like 3,800. So it has literally come down by 85%. While at the same time, the balances of the customers, so for our customers, the average balance maintained in their account used to be something like 18,000 odd, has increased marginally that 18,000 has gone up to 21,000. So, uh, one is basically seeing two behaviors. One is, of course, because of the lower economic activity, people are not, uh, you know, uh, they are not getting their inflows, and hence, uh, you know, a slowdown in the economy and their own ability to pay. But at the same time, a high degree of risk aver- averseness, where be- even if the flows are low, people are trying to save more in a way to uh, you know we can say for future, and whenever things go well perhaps manage things uh, better. Uh, we have seen a uh, uh, strong correlation in terms of wherever the flows have been higher of course the collection numbers have been higher and that at least gives us some hope that uh, uh, you know as the economics up lockdown goes away people will see perhaps there will be a day but people will come back and and uh, pay here. A few other things uh, which are very evident in the market is when we look at our underwriting model which has been used to give loan and we try to backtest in this uh, period, we see the, we see our models are holding strong, strong in a sense they are rank ordering the risk very well not to make the discussion very really statistical, but to say that suppose if there's an underwriting model being used, and it was basically ranking the customers between 1 to 20, and 1 was a much better risk than 20, the same behavior we see even in the post-corona stage, that the way the risk uh, segmentation is happening, 1 still remains much better than 20. But what has happened, the entire curve has shifted upwards. Now the entire curve has shifted upwards has led to almost in all segments, the default increasing. increasing. Um, in some sense, you know, the data telling us that it is and not specific to a particular segment or a particular, uh, you know, trade which is causing this. Further corroborated with this is, um, when we look at the uh, say the green zone, amber zone, red zone as, uh, you know, prescribed by different uh, state governments, we see no rela- correlation between the green, red, and whatever, amber, to the delinquency that we have seen. And just to give two extreme examples, say Mumbai, uh, which is, of course, uh, the highest uh, from a cases standpoint, and similarly there is a place called uh, Fezabad, the state. Which is in UP. In Sardarabad, at least in some time back, there was no instance of uh, COVID case. But in both the cases, and we have a sizable number of customers in Sardarabad and of course, uh, more than uh, enough in uh, in, in Mumbai. We see the delinquency level almost same, if not slightly better than Mumbai from a bounce rate perspective. So what makes us believe is that it is not so much the Categorization, but the general lockdown—the moment it is mentioned, it is a lockdown. There is a there is a paralysis of economic activity, or there is a thinking in people's mind that this can hold on for longer, and hence better to stay and not stay and be you know stay tight. Uh, is is one other uh, uh, you know instance that we have seen in the whole collection piece. Otherwise, uh, from a collection number standpoint. Uh, Uh, Few things which are stood out uh, very clearly is uh, uh, the bureau score. It has, uh, of course, the higher bureau score guys. We have seen a higher collection, lower. We have seen lower interest today. Uh, But of course, the strength is not very secular across different bands of uh, bureau. One has seen that uh, you know the strength easing down in specific uh, subpart of the bureau score. Uh, We have found our uh, our uh, model quite helpful. In fact, if anything, one big takeaway I would have from what we have seen in the last uh, two months is, an underwriting model, Uh, I know words like machine learning are sometimes used very frivolously, but an underwriting model, which leverages machine learning techniques, data based on, particularly behavioral data, is a very sound indicator of what is the risk one would say. And it has only made us, uh, it has only intensified our conviction when it comes to using data analytics, uh, in using underwriting and in collection. Uh,
1: sure. so, sure, sure. so, uh, the two key takeaways from this discussion as of now is that uh, this green amber and the red has low bearing on the
0: customer's behavior in terms of uh, uh, collections. And secondly, uh, as per your analysis, the balances in customer accounts have been going up, which is quite interesting trend, uh, uh-huh. and uh, which we hope that uh, collection can,
1: can recover quickly once the uh, customer sentiment is able Yeah. Uh, but, but from collection infrastructure perspective, how much uh, scale do you think of your you of once a of that infrastructure, how much uh, scale up in your own
0: infrastructure will be required? Yeah. So no, very important point Um, and it has not been an easy call for us, but at least the way we are thinking about it as we look at it, there are primarily three different infrastructure that we are dependent upon from a collection standpoint. First is a telecalling infrastructure. Telecalling can be in-house also. Second is uh, the field uh, force, but these field force are not the hard recovery guys. These are guys who knock on the door with small, um, more like a reminder and some bit of uh, sometimes, um, you know, requesting the customer to pay back. And then of course there's a heart recovery, these three uh, thing. My is field and heart recovery is going to take long to come up and hence has implication on the delinquency numbers. Uh, as I said, there were 20% for us for field and heart recovery and one can easily assume, at least in our business plan we are assuming that that is not going to arrive before September. Uh, and hence, uh, the cost-income ratio effectiveness of these three different channels are going to be different. When I say cost-income, this is uh, the way we look at the channel. To so basically say that, uh, is it good for me to put that infrastructure? Would it be able to give me, you know, the requisite collection for one to justify the cost that one would be entering in this uh, infrastructure? That is one challenge. And hence I would say, and this challenge is quite intertwined, it is not only because uh, the zones are like, uh, are red, and hence they cannot go, but it is also because even if they are green, they go and they try collecting money, we may still insert the cost of collection, but we will not collect uh, uh, money here. And hence, uh, uh, in our scheme of things, one will have to let go, one will have to, you know, let things come back to normalcy, perhaps 4th September when one can engage these two tenors. Uh On the, on the telecalling part, um, telecalling part, I believe uh, there is uh, an element also. Um, I think uh, I was going through what, um, you know, the gentleman who came from Expedia and talk about who gave, who basically one of the points was making that there's a big loan tracking which is happening mm-hmm. where people are, Taking multiple loans. And we see that in our portfolio as well. And where the telecalling or for that matter any, uh, any active reminder becomes important is if a customer is, uh, have taken loans from three, four places and at the end of the day he has balances or the mindset of paying only one, it is very critical for one to have that effort towards uh, getting the money to that extent. And, uh, the telecalling connection, which is basically reaching out, reminding them the benefits of keeping a good civil code, not letting things go into legalities and things like that, always has, a, has some kind of an appeal with customer and then they end up paying. So one has seen that as well. One is not worried about scaling up the infrastructure so much at this stage, in this because I know we have, we have like literally reduced the infrastructure to zero, for example, if I talk about uh, field collection and all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One is not so much, uh, at least from our side, we are not concerned. I know there will be a scale of challenge, it is not going to be easy, and hence, no, uh, it is not a trivial challenge. But one also believes that given the the abundance of people who may be available and the skill here required here is not something which is uh, not something which cannot be taught or cannot be built immediately. Um, at least in our scheme of things, the whole Flexibility of scale-up and scale-down in a double click period is not something which is the foremost problem. I think the foremost problem is by any decent meter, we should be able to collect money and hence the effectiveness of the channel without incurring huge cost on the channel, which is something important. Sure, sure,
1: sure. Uh, so, I uh, uh-huh. think to my next question, is on the monocleon, uh, because uh, we see that there is a
0: different strategy which uh, the different financial institutions are, uh, are adopting on moratorium, and uh, there is also a risk of moral hazard from a customer perspective. So, how do you see this moratorium? Uh, do you think uh, uh, if it will result in weaker prepayments uh, from the customers? And are you seeing any particular customer segment which is
1: available more moratorium? or the personal loan on a consumer durable, Which segment you you seeing uh, any trends on the moratorium? Yeah. So, no very critical question,
0: Nitesh, at this stage. Uh, First of all, there are both positives and negatives of moratorium, but just as a preface to that positive and negative, I would also believe, and I am talking first about the asset side and then I will come to the liability side. Asset side defined as the moratorium that we have given to our customers. Uh, First of all, there is a fair degree of confusion which exists among the retail customers, perhaps rightfully so, which uh, does allow uh a bank or an NBFC like us to not uh, give moratorium to everybody. It is at our discretion to give moratorium where we want to give moratorium. However there is some misconstrued understanding and rightfully so because people end up reading the headlines as against all the nuances and footnotes. The belief is the only reason I am mentioning is because it does create some kind of a customer We where even a very good customer would feel as if uh if you are not offering de facto the moratorium it might be construed as uh, uh you know something that he was he was used. Uh but having said that both positive and negative, there is indeed a uh, indeed an element of moral uh, hazard which is there with uh, moratorium and you behavior uh because uh, people who otherwise uh, we can see are quite capable of paying with income level sometimes far far uh you know far outweighing the Small loan that they have taken uh, and then pushing it out uh, uh, as a moratorium. So, there is indeed that behavior which is playing out, but I would also say that at least in our portfolio, which is more the lower income segment market, we have not seen that moral hazard playing out in its full form. For that matter, if I have to compare this with say farm loan, the way it happens in agriculture, where almost it is given that you wait for five years or perhaps longer and then you are safe loan would be waived, right. Uh, mm-hmm. One has not seen that behavior here, that is one. Second I think people uh, it's not as if uh, the, the other nbscs and everybody has acted in a very responsible way. Uh, what I mean by that is for example people have followed either an opt-in or an opt-out approach but mm-hmm. that is of course for an opt-in. So it is not as if it has been given something which is available like a freebie. Uh, it is, you have to make that effort of reaching out, talking to us, explaining, and then kind of, you know, we offer the moratorium. We have given uh, moratorium to 14.5% of our customers who were in the default bucket. Hmm.
1: Uh,
0: not uh, to, I believe the industry average is more like 30%. Yeah, uh, but that's more anecdotal what I have heard. Hmm. And, uh, what we have seen the positive side of the moratorium is that there are many customers who were 90 plus in our portfolio, hmm. who we were struggling to reach out from a collection standpoint and from our, in when we do a business planning, we more or less have given them as a customers we'll have to write out. They have proactively reached out and asked for moratorium. And this is also a segment where we ran a more aggressive moratorium campaign. It is basically to say that, you know, this is a good opportunity for you to come back and your civil and other thing will not be impacted and you can get it for a three months uh, kind of no payment. And that result has been encouraging. Encouraging not from a point of view that people have paid. One, of course, have to see how many of those people who have opted for moratorium will eventually pay. But the very fact that that customer engagement of Connect has been created, at least gives some hope that one will be able to uh, get uh, uh, make people pay from this uh, pool of people. Uh, we have done some analysis to say what portion of the moratorium guys will pay, which is very, mm-hmm. very, our analysis, I don't think it may apply to industry, we purchased more specific for purchase finance and the personal loan combination with the relationship we have with the customer. Our own view is that uh, in an option model that we are following, close to around 90 to 95% of the people should pay that in a period of next six months. Um, of course, the answer can be very different if it is an opt out or if it is something, you know, other kind of a moratorium model or a decision set and that comes forward. 90 to 95
1: percent uh, of your moratorium customer will expect to become regular over the next uh, 3 to 6 months. Next 6 months. Exactly. Yeah, that's pretty increasing. Uh, now, let's uh, go ahead uh, with a liquidity uh, problem. r are we seeing the bank's uh, view on uh,
0: retail and VXT and fintech? Yeah. Given they are clustered liquidity, but uh, at the same time they have a quite like, select to offer moratorium to NDSC. So uh, how how see the trends go uh, there? Yeah. On the uh, yeah on the on the liability side of the moratorium, I think uh, it's a bit of uh, mixed story. Ours is a very different situation because we as an MVFC, uh didn't uh, didn't avail not really ask for any moratorium. In fact, uh, and very specific to us because uh, we had uh, a wrong thing to say in today's world that we have enough liquidity, but we did have uh, enough cash balances partly driven by, you know, the profit of the last year and the growing trend and we were moving from an on book model to an off book model where uh, we didn't want uh, the loan to stay in our book. So, we didn't avail moratorium. Hmm. However, what we used uh, this opportunity to have uh, uh Some <coughs> some very engaging discussion with our lenders to say that uh, you know we are not awaiting any moratorium, but it is only a matter of time. Say perhaps three months uh, later, when things should be normal, uh, we would be seeking fresh lines, and uh, uh, that the discussion one has gotten in. I think from the from the banks and the NBFC side who have been lending, they have also followed a very selective approach. Um they I think have evaluated their portfolio meticulously to say that here are some players who require moratorium and if not given moratorium there is a serious challenge of they going into some kind of a very uh, distressed uh, situation even up into bankruptcy for some of the smaller guys and hence there I think they have been more, uh, more uh, open and, uh, uh more, uh, you know, wanting to give moratorium. But at the same time, when, I mean, they understand our financials, and I think anybody who looks at our numbers become very evident that it is unfair for us to ask for moratorium when we are running with such high, uh, such decent cash balances. Yes. So this is very, very specific to us, I would say. But otherwise, uh, because we do talk to NDFCs and banks, I think the typical thing has been that they have very selectively, with some level of uh they have tried giving moratorium they required versus not and um, I believe that's something that one will, uh, there's no other option than
1: to follow something like this. Uh, Do you see changes in Uh. your operating model, uh, changes in your underwriting model uh, and collection model after COVID-19? Yeah.
0: So, and and, uh, and, uh, how you feel the pressure on conventional income uh, or do you think there will be an impact on conventional income, especially in the purchase plans, given the audience and may also be taking the cost uh, cost Exactly. So first of all, we do see changes. And I think there are two, three things, uh, three things that are rather bothering us quite a bit as we think about uh, the business in the next uh, era. First and foremost is unclear what is the right template for starting the business. Because uh, should we go by green, red zone? And by the way, the point I was making was that green, red zone, the green... Uh, amber and red was not uh, correlated, the delinquencies were not correlated to that. Hmm. But the point was that it is the economic activity which is correlating. And yeah. the moment you have a lockdown, so one of the templates that we are putting together is looking at India in a manner where we see uh, locations becoming green and hence some opening of the economic activity and hence perhaps we can start the uh, lending. So anyway, the three things becomes important. for us. First and foremost, we do need to recalibrate our underwriting model. As much as uh, it has performed well in the uh, pre-COVID era and in the post-COVID era in terms of, uh, in terms of differentiating this, I think it is also important for us to not get into taking undue risk. And hence uh, we need to do some kind of an experimentation, um, whatever, pilot or uh, something so as to get a sense that uh, what could be a right, uh, scale up strategy or a uh, template for pilot a uh, template for scale up as we restart the business. Uh, second, I don't want to see, I know we are in a lot of doom and doom, but we do see an opportunity also here, which is around, uh, um, one, I believe would get a better opportunity to select the customer in a manner where you can choose to give loan to good customers. Uh, call it uh, because the overall competition may come down, call it the propensity of the customer to agree on the loan terms which may be favorable to us in some sense would be higher combination of all these factors, but uh, it does show an opportunity and uh, at least for the next uh, say by the end of this year, I don't think like us or mineral here we will not be chasing growth, and hence there is lot of thinking lot of. Um, um, you know, data analysis to look at which segment to choose and what should be the product construct. Should the increase our pricing? Should be, uh, the risk based pricing we should put in a more intensified form, so on and so forth, which can further improve our margin. Uh, that is the second thing. Third, uh, on the point around, uh, uh, this uh, subvention, uh, of course, the subvention will come down. What we have seen, even in the past, we have seen situations where sometimes uh, uh, you know a particular retailer is facing a challenge, and the immediate decision would be to say, uh, Can we reduce the subvention or even make the subvention to zero? Hmm. And one would see a similar behavior now also, but that behavior has been uh, that has come along with that. How do we then price the, risk, price the loan in a manner where some combination of Say the merchant or a customer are able to bear the cost of the credit hmm. so for example we have seen this in the mobile segment particularly as new mobiles coming and people were they were at a very low margin there's no way subvention can be given sometimes on this that time a good stated policy was and something which worked also well on the ground is you put the price to the customer i know that also increases the uh, the burden on the customer and hence has a negative effect on the demand. But all in all, what we believe is or what we saw was that reduction in the demand is not actually that significant. People still come and they, uh, they buy at, and ready to give loans, ready to take loans which may not be at 0% interest, but that may be an interest bearing loan. So we see a more uh, interest bearing loan. In fact, uh, today our interest bearing loan, uh, is around 80% and 20% is uh, 0% interest loan, which was pre-COVID. Post-COVID, hmm. perhaps it would be, almost everything would be interest bearing 5.95. Hmm. kind hmm. of a decision. I uh, wanted to
1: understand, you mentioned that subventions uh, really come down, and 80% is interest-bearing for you, and 20% will cost pre-COVID. Uh, any broader number which is just a number it would be for that 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 is like the charge. And uh, if obviously the OEMs give in the invention, because uh, you did mention still demand continues to be there, at least in mobiles, but would that be the case in other products as well? Yeah.
0: So, no, uh, thanks for the question. First of all, uh, the Thing can vary from Bajaj to us. One of the big difference between Bajaj and us is, Bajaj has lot more OEM tires compared with us. When they have an OEM tires, you end up uh, having that uh, partnership at an OEM level. And sometimes in this uh, moment of crisis, a merchant, merchant is a owner of a store, may not be able to take the load of prevention, but the OEM, the big company, the corporate here, may still be able to clear the OEM cost, uh, will still be able to clear the subvention cost, and uh, uh, and in that scenario, they may still want to continue with a 0% loan product, uh, which may not be the case here. So difficult for me to say to what extent one would see uh, the same numbers for Bajar, but what is very evident is that the way we will see a decrease in 0% in our product, it may not be the same for the large because of a uh, larger support from the audience and, uh, uh, you know, the people who kind of take that. Uh, the second thing to be said is to what extent it creates a difference in the demand. I think the point I was making is that, of course, there is a drop in the demand in the post-COVID era. There is going to be a drop in the demand, just mm-hmm. to say. However, our past learning is that for whatever level of demand one sees, even if you add the cost of credit to that, which does not come out to be more than say 4-5% percent on the normal listing, we have not seen any significant reduction in the demand. People who are wanting to buy it on credit, a difference of 3-4% percent, which has to be paid over a period of say 5-6 months in a equally monthly, uh, monthly installment, usually does not act as a deterrent for, uh, for people to uh, not uh, buy or
1: a reduction in the money. Okay. Uh, and recently uh, there were some newspaper these particular articles that we were saying essentially since you've say a year I 0 upfront and ten 110 Now because of the risk aversion, maybe 3-9 would be the scheme or 6 weeks or whatever. So are uh, you guys also thinking on those lines that uh, the customer needs to bring in something upfront or you have with uh, anything? In yeah, so uh,
0: two things when you move from zero to zero twelve to say three nine, one is of course the part around in the three nine customer ends up putting more contribution. But I think the bigger part, bigger thing which is very different, is a three nine product is only there for six months, while the zero twelve is there for twelve months. Now the behavior that we have seen and which is very much part of the strategy as we think about uh, going forward. We want to reduce the tenure of the uh, duration of our asset book. The current duration, which is around 7-8 months, will come down to something like 4-5 months. And hence, it is only natural for us to give more, say, 3-9 kind of a product as against a 0-12 product. That is one part. The second part being where the customer contribution one is asked for and this is completely our learning for uh, the segment that we operate in. Uh, may not be true for Bajar, it may not be true for some of the other players. Our own learning has been that the risk on ground is rarely correlated to the contribution which a customer is putting upfront. I know it sounds paradoxical, rather innately paradoxical, but that is our rather strong learning that uh, risk has this particularly in the purchase finance of the type they are doing, has very little bearing uh, on, on people's, uh, the, the, the contribution that they end up putting. And the only way you could describe it more from a, you know, more practical on ground round experience is, the moment you make it, say, some kind of a C9 towards the team which has higher contribution, you lead to some kind of adverse selection where more risky customers come in uh, as against, um, you know, when you evaluate a customer slowly on the basis of their full credit worthiness, behavior, etc., etc., and once you evaluate it, irrespective of whatever contribution they are making, uh, at least from our end, we are we are okay giving the loan. So, to put it very simply, we'll move towards more types, but the motivation would be to reduce the tenor as against to uh, as against to increase the customer contribution. Yeah. And uh, from that, uh,
1: you did mention in terms of uh, people taking moratorium. So how many of them would be giving the feedback that we would have lost our jobs or we are not getting our salaries and attention uh, we will see whenever we can pay. Right? So, any one is reduced salaries or maintaining higher liquidity. You did mention Saab
0: balances uh, have gone up. Yeah. So, first of all, I don't think we have any credible data. Coming from because these feedback we get from telephone conversation and uh, one difficult to capture it in a very standardized disposition form. So we don't know to what extent this uh, this uh, demand for moratorium is driven by something immediate uh, loss of income, etcetera, etc. That we are not sure. But what we are very sure, what we what we uh, track very diligently is at the beginning of the call. I mentioned that what we have seen. For our customer, the monthly inflow which used to be around 22,000 has come down to something like 4000 or, and there has been a reduction of close to around 80-85 percent. Now, though these are averages, but if you break it and slice and dice cut and chop and look at the specific segment level data, it is very different. For example, on the salary side, of course, uh, the difference can be either the person has lost his job or he's there. If the person has lost his job, the reduction is not 100 uh, coming to whatever, 20%, but it is like 100 coming to zero. But uh, what we saw is that this is more pronounced, uh, this kind of trend from a self-employed standpoint, where there are very, very clear evidence on, and I'm talking about our customers from the personal loan side are basically the small shop owners, the other ticket type that we offer is around 40000 so one can imagine the profile of the customer I'm talking about. And there one has seen very clearly that uh, uh, it's not so much of job, uh, I mean for all act- uh, practical purposes, the economic activity of that job has come down. And, uh, and that drop is rather significant. Uh, in any month month analysis that we do, these see this analysis month-on-month, say for last 12 months, we have never seen such a drop. And, uh, but that's for the overall portfolio I'm talking about, not for specific to people who came and opted for moratorium. Uh, but on the specific moratorium thing, I don't think uh, we have some credible data to uh, demarcate it in a very clear but for the type of data. Thank you, sir. And
1: also now coming to the long-term competition. So, uh, we did see pre-COVID even also talk and actually when everybody wanted to do completely durable, uh, mm-hmm. hopes that uh, how are the trends? Uh, do you see many of these guys
0: practically retreating the stage? Uh, what are the trends in the competition? They yeah, are so, uh, very difficult to say what they will do. I think there are two, three factors which will become important. Important Number one is, uh, even before Corona, there was a growing realization that in specific sub segments of purchase financing, there was a rather enhanced competition coming from all quarters. When I say all quarters, NGFC, uh, banks, within banks, small finance banks also, somebody else also, people who are operating in rural India, they also want to do it. So there was a sense of, you know, uh, if at least not competition on the ground, at least on the drawing board, many, many people were trying to do that. Uh, it's only natural to believe that this will come down and the driver for this coming down is of course uh, people will focus on the variety item again something which was more like they wanted to start. But I also believe that uh, the market may move towards more e-commerce side. Not so much that the demand is being pulled to e-commerce, but if you look at some of these smaller stores, they themselves will have economic pressures to say whether they can sustain their store or not. So one way to uh, envision the landscape of sellers of services, it would be more online clear, concentrated. And then of course we'll have big aggregators offline like the Promas and the BJS and many, many others. And of course there are many other, you know, the smaller kind, but the smaller kind one's proportion will only fifty. Now it leads to a very different type of a play, which is to say that one will have to drive partnership with these type of institution that becomes one very important aspect of the uh, whole whole thing. Um And hence, it is only natural that, uh, you know, once the opportunity is so concentrated, uh, it is, you will not see many years and people will backtrack. I think the second thing to mention here is, see of course, um, I'm not plagiarizing anybody's wisdom when they are applying, when they are trying to target this opportunity. But there is a sense of, you know, what Bajal has achieved, uh, is rather seen in a very different light and one wants to replicate that. I think the question to ask is, to replicate that, which is to say that you have a large base of customer and you can cross that bill for many, many products, is purchase finance the only route or it can be funding any, giving them any personal loan till the time the end use is rather established because almost every other personal loan is for some purchase of some product or services, right? The guy is not taking it and taking the money and putting it into sorry to use the colloquial phrase, uh, to put it under the pillow. They are using it for some, you know, payment somewhere, which is a purchase of product or services. I see that also playing out very well, and some of these things one has seen in other developed markets as well. It is not the purchase financing which creates giant, but it is more the personal loan and combination of that thing that you can offer. So, uh, to put it simply, I think one, of course, the competition may come down uh, and second one was uh, I believe, uh, people in the rightful mind will go after purchase finance, uh, will go after personal loan opportunity, uh, also
1: in some shape and form. Self-employed versus salary,
2: um how much gap
1: is there in terms of increase in bounce rate for those two segment? Yeah,
0: so salary bounce rate is, uh, down by 38 percent compared to what used to be. While the okay. same drop in the self-employed is more like 55%. Oh, you mean collects the down by uh, 38% and 55% for uh, self-employed? Absolutely. On a base of 100, uh, earlier 100 people were paying. Now, in the case of salary, the uh, 38 down so 52% of the 100 are paying. While in the case of uh, self-employed, it is 45 uh, working. And how much was it before COVID? Do you remember? Similar number? So this I was talking, uh, because I was talking drop, I was talking in terms of percentages, but otherwise before COVID, just to uh, put the numbers away, we had a bounce rate of 24%. That would mean 76% people were paying on time.
2: Yeah. They were not. Yeah. Now,
0: in the case of uh, salaries, that 76 uh, has come down to something like uh, 56, 57%. Which is people who are paying on time and the 44, 45 percent is the count. While in case of self-employed, the same 55 has further come down to something like 47, 48 percent and uh, the 50 odd percent, 57 percent are basically people who are bonds. So, so for salary 56 percent um,
1: are paying on time and self-employed 48 percent are paying on time.
0: Yeah, so uh, for salary, it is more like 60%, 50 and 50 is the number to look at, 60% for. Uh, okay. And
1: the, the number uh, earlier used to
0: be, uh how uh, 70, 77 was the overall average. So it would be higher for the salary, it would be like 80% for salary, and yeah, salary. Yeah, so it was higher for salary, it was around 80-81 uh, for 80, salary, and 74-73 uh, for
1: and then
0: the personal loan versus consumer direct, any difference in terms of uh, the area, what's happening? So, um, I don't know what is driving it, but our personal loan is doing better uh, compared to purchase financing. Part of the reason is also because the way our personal loan product is created, there's an inbuilt, there is a lot of incentive for, inbuilt incentive, nothing to do with Corona or any other measure that we have taken off. Inbuilt incentive for people to uh, repay on time so that they keep availing this loan for future purposes as well and over time the limit keeps increasing. So the same, uh, the the 77% uh, which I mentioned which now, which is the bounce rate, uh, which is the people who are paid on time and the 23% the bounce rate. The bounce rate has uh, increased to something like 45. The 45 is literally 40 and 50. Forty in the case of personal loan and fifty in the case of purchase loan. But are they typically higher bureaus the personal loan customers also? Personal loan higher are Slightly, yeah, yeah. They are slightly higher, but not substantially higher. So that uh, difference, uh, and in our the uh, segment, one of the things we have seen is bureau score is a good directional indicator. But the moment you scratch the process, go wrong, it is not an indicator, and not because of. Uh, because we are always operating in a slightly on the tender side, so uh, the average uh, euro score for a personal loan is slightly higher, but not higher enough to explain the difference of uh, performing the PC here.
1: Just one last question in terms of calling: uh, When you call, when are you, when you're this call, telecalling kind of collection, hmm. is the efficiency of telecalling the collection down or most of the drop in collections is because of the um, offline not being there, the, the second and third method? Sure. I it is, uh, it
0: is uh, the collection efficiency is down and it is down to the extent of, in the first two weeks, it was down to the extent of around 40-50% percent because of all the reasons that I mentioned. The number of calls made versus number of calls attended, the feasibility of dollar working, etcetera etcetera. But that 40-50% percent has come down to now, uh, I would say, 12-15%. Percent. Uh, it is no longer because there was an period for adaptation but once you have adapted it has it has been more or less uh, normal that doesn't bother us to be very fine in collection efficiency piece, because between efficiency and effectiveness the answer is very clear in collection always go for effectiveness because for that 10-15 percent one can always put more capacity
1: yes
0: i think it is a broader thing around inability to take money inability to collect money when the person himself doesn't have money and he's for all the reasons of, you know, uh, especially.
1: But if X number of calls used to, let's say, X number of people used to pay on these calls, uh, when you call X number of people, will like, actually end up paying. Uh, that percentage
0: is drug material. Like when you call people, they say, we don't have money. Then yeah, so that One of the Yeah, I don't know. It has come down. So one of the numbers I mentioned in the call, I don't know if it has stayed uh, also. is we used to have in the bucket, which was a pure telecalling, 100% telecalling. We used to collect 92% of the people that 92% has come down to something like 60 percent Now the 60% is a the drop, is an amalgamation of uh the efficiency okay. and the effectiveness, which one is not able to extract while copying. And what do they Uh the, why they are not paying? You no, know, so it is a very standard response. I mean, uh, one, they don't have money. Second, uh, you know, isn't it too distinct for even us to ask for money. Third is they want to avoid a moratorium. Uh, don't worry, we will pay the money, but just give us some time. So there are a lot of promise to pay. So one of the other things which has happened is our average PTP time period, PTP is a term used in collection which is promise to pay, which used to be around uh, 5 to 6 days. A person saying I am paying 5 to 6 days has gone up to something like 35 to 40 days. So if you take all the average of all the PTP that you have received, just do a simple arithmetic average, it used to be around 5 to 6 days, which has gone to something like 35 to 40 days.
1: You know, you spoke about the cost of collections being very important. Obviously, it's very important in your business, uh, and you know, you expect uh, on-field collections to normalize. You know, say post September, October. You uh, know, that sort of timeline. But uh, do you do you foresee uh, you know a risk of customers not paying if if you were to delay collections? You know, say October, November on the field. Because obviously, you know, as you just said, that your PTP time has increased obviously for reasons because of their income has fallen or uh, some disruption they are seeing. But uh, mm-hmm. do you believe that delaying corrections on the ground till September, October would could, could reach to some sort of risk in terms of repayments?
0: Yes, it will lead to repayment. Uh, it will lead to having mm-hmm. implications from the 90 plus and eventual NPA uh, and it can happen in a significant account. Knowing that being the case, It becomes extremely, extremely critical for us to, one, drive our other efforts outside of the fuel collection in a manner where uh, we are able to reach a field, and which would mean the more intensified telecalling efforts, more offering. We are not giving them a new loan to pay back the old loan, those kind of restructuring not happening, but basically putting the right level of incentive for them to come back, and in our case, most probably the incentive is that you pay back and then you basically are eligible for the uh, for a new loan from us. In the past, uh, the definitions we had for making somebody eligible for a new loan, we, we have to revisit, we are revisiting. Uh, but that becomes very important one to replace that uh, fee collection model. And second is, uh, at least the way we understand it based on what we have seen, not a crisis of this sort, but the minor small crisis in the past is, customer engagement is super critical and hence uh, in the pecking order of interventions, we don't find even given moratorium from where the customer is vociferously opting for it as a as a bad thing but as a as a good way to keep them engaged for them to pay uh, in future there is another thing to keep in mind unlike say sme or somebody else uh, and say somebody more on the wholesale side, call it uh, the positive or whatever you may call it. See, our loan is very fragmented and very distributed. Uh, there is no one single guy who is making a big difference. The implication of this we see is that even after say September, once the economic activity comes up, even if we have lost contact, till the time we can establish contact, one would be able to get the money. So. As much as field is important, I believe the single most important factor which will drive our collection is the, the economic activity coming back mainstream into this thing and then one of course will have the right uh, collection model to go and get the money from the, from the customer. Okay. Uh, my second question is of the subvention piece, like you
1: mentioned earlier that you know, uh, Subventions could fall and, uh, you know, probably go to zero in a lot of in a lot of segments where competition is high and margins are thin. So, uh, you know, uh, while earlier subventions have fallen on the customers who have been ready to bear the cost, do you believe that, you know, when, when they see a the disruption of this kind where, you know, probably their incomes will also remain impacted for a longer period of time, do you, do you believe that customers will be okay to bear an interest cost in, in cases where subventions have, uh, you know, come to near zero? Yeah, yeah. So, just to
0: clarify again, the subvention point which I made was purely for us, purely for us, not for any other player. I think the player mm-hmm. will take as a benchmark in this market is budget, and there as I said, the primary driver for the subvention is not driven by merchant, it is purely driven by the OEM's propensity to share the subvention. Right. And there if you take that, it is only natural for people who are in the business of selling the product that they are manufacturing, they would want to perhaps give subvention because right. at least that is called the Indian mindset or that's how it has worked. Somehow the same thing Package in many different ways. At the moment, it is given with a facade of two percent interest. There is a different level of viewer it creates, and that uh, is quite enticing for the customer. So, I would believe if I have to hazard a guess here, my sense is there will be reduction in subvention, uh, but uh, not so much for people, uh, not so much for people like Bajaj. Uh, for us, uh, for us, it's a different ball game because. Um, any the reliance on the subvention was lower. Right. And one is uh, dealing mostly with segments who are okay bearing this cost. Um, one important point to note here is, that the segment distance is an important one, The people we operate in, the kind of cost we charge is a very minimal cost. It is not as a, um, so it doesn't come as a big burden. This is the other point of making the three, four percent increase, which is why we have seen in the past for a six months loan, doesn't come as a big burden to them and people just aren't necessarily giving that money for the, for the fact that they are getting a credit which otherwise was not available
1: to them. Right, right. Just one last data point, will you be able to give out your uh, total a1 number if that's possible?
0: So it's uh, upwards of uh, 750 of your pros, total book. Hi Radhavi, uh, I have two questions. Uh, do you, any part of your offering overlap with, uh, uh,
1: credit card guys, uh, in terms of the customers? And second is, uh, in the normal times, so whatever credit costs you are building in, in your pricing or in your models, uh, where do you see, uh, so far whatever have you
0: seen, uh, credit costs might be, uh, related to that number?
2: Is it like one and a half times, two times or? Like, which, your factors, which think
0: about. yeah so if I understand correctly you said first question uh is there an overlap between us and the credit card uh players right right yeah so uh, uh of course uh, there is no direct competition uh, but uh and most of our customers don't have a credit card in that sense uh but having said that there are 22 percent of our customers who are credit card holders and every time whenever we have done surveys with them saying why they have credit card, I and mean, if they have a credit card, why they are taking loan from us. There are many, many reasons they have given, but primarily threefold. One, because they get uh, things uh, in a much easy, hassle-free manner. Um, the whole convenience thing is uh, very uh, good. Some of them have a general distress on the rate which uh, some of the credit card industry uh, uh, charges. Uh just the complexity of the rate and the way it gets applied and all of that was too much for them and here they thought you make a purchase, make give six months and in, six and four months and you are done with the loan. Uh and then there were some people who actually were not uh the credit card was not enough to fill their appetite and hence they were wanting more credit, those segments were also there. Um the there is some level of uh, I think the debit competition becomes way because the credit card has a product called CC EMI which is if you are a credit card holder you can make not all, everybody offers but some of them offer you can make the purchase and you can convert the purchase into an EMI and uh, we uh, it is in a way you can call it somewhere complete on the purchase financing product uh, but that is being the case that does not bother us the whole credit card competition because the market, market is massive and even after, you know, the, there has been a renewed uh, uh, aggression in terms of uh, credit card penetration in India, there is enough and more pool which is completely crushed and devoid of uh, uh, credit card. But that is yeah. the, way have the land in terms of credit card. In terms of the credit card, our own estimate is, uh, and of course the moving number, uh, we will see a number which is going to be 2 to 2.25x higher than our normal, whatever, NPA numbers uh, because of this Corona. Mm-hmm.
1: And this, uh, just sticking on to, uh, based on this uh, credit
0: card point, and then the, you, do you guys see the UPI method, which is, uh, which sort of is a cost, uh, related to credit card payment, it's a lower cost for merchant. Can you use that as an opportunity to extract that, uh, uh, benefit and offer that in some form to the customers. Uh, yeah. I will not replicate and okay, curriculum correct often. Yeah. Uh, because UPI method A is free. So no, no,
1: exactly. We are
0: already, uh, rather, uh, we, we are one of the many, many beneficiaries of UPI, post UPI scheme. And we may not be directly charging, but indirectly we are charging and uh, we, we are availing the benefit. The indirect way the way it works out is that you know in credit card the NDR can be anywhere between two percent to sometimes it can go to three and four percent also. Right. And that acts as a as a minimum benchmark for us to mm. take a subvention. Because mm. it simply becomes a pair. credit card is paying so much, then of course we should be taking this perhaps a great deal more also. Right. So we are already extracting. I think Uh, The UPI benefit, which has been rather uh, revolutionary for us, is more around. It has actually allowed us to give the loan to our customer in literally, say, 300 seconds. Hmm. And no level of uh, explanation can do justice to uh, this thing I'm talking about. Because the fact that somebody can get credit in so quick a time has many, many benefits for the business. One, your whole cost of collection of oh, the cost of onboarding customer and everything is much easier. And the kind of delight and trust the customer forms, translating them into financial numbers, the way they come back for the beach loan bone and then continue is at a very different level altogether. And third is from a risk type also we have seen, you know, there is uh, uh, the instant uh, uh, gratification and the disbursement performs uh, rather evidently better than something which goes through a more complicated process of giving loan. So anyway, that's a, uh, sorry for the digression, but that's the other UPI benefit that we see with is far more pronounced and uh, some mm-hmm. many of business. So you can't
1: offer
0: free credit, the way the credit will 60 days, 40 days, 30 days, free credit, with the NDR, even can business. So just a very quick response I'll give. Uh, see, we, uh, the credit card business is a very different business that works on Revolve. Now we have taken a conscious call not to get into the Revolve business. Otherwise, uh, these are two different variants of the product. I mean, one variant is to give them a, a repeated and let people revolve, and it's the revolve which will make you drive uh, value. So uh, we found it it has its own challenges, problems, etc., seconds just stay away from doing it. And then there are challenges in terms of communication to the customer in, when you are not a credit card company and things like that. So at least our viewers will restrict ourselves to a very EMI-based zone, and this is where we see a lot bulk of the value.
2: Hi Ranveer, uh, thank you so much uh, uh, for this uh, discussion. I had one question. Uh, this is on uh, data analytics and data tracking. Uh, I think the USP that most uh, fintechs bring to the table is their ability to mine data. And, uh, and this comes to the fore even uh, particularly in, in times of crisis like this at this juncture. So uh, are there insights that you're able to pick up on your... Uh, customers borrowers right now. Uh, you did briefly mention about uh, salaries and, and what's happening there, but, but are there real uh, 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 indicators uh, that you can actually fix? And uh, how do you track these uh, data points in terms of uh, now how the asset quality can behave, how the customer behavior can uh, know, uh, change uh, over the next uh, few weeks? Uh, uh, what I mean is, uh, are they looking for any purchases, Are they starting to step out of their homes and get back to work? are there salary cuts, job cuts, uh, uh, you know, uh, something of that sort. And uh, and uh, while banks track a uh, uh, lot of these uh, data points, uh, are there other lenders in the non-banking space who you believe uh, have a similar ability to track data?
0: Um, yeah, yeah. No, thanks for this. So first of all, uh, needless to say, data is extremely, extremely critical. As I was saying, this uh, whole episode has only further intensified our own belief and data. And uh, uh, I think, uh, suffused in this question, there are two, three things you're asking in terms of data and just disaggregating. Number one, data used in the kinds of underwriting, absolutely critical. Now there's the one thing I would just, uh, and that's a uh, thought that I also get in some time, is there is no one magical variable. There are not even two magical variables. It is not the person being shabbled or self-employed defined this. But it's a combination of some 20 odd variables uh, with different vitals attached. And ability to learn through a machine learning algorithm to say with every instance of bad and good coming, they are learning from the system. It's something which works partially uh, well. In fact, uh, and again, I don't want to make the discussion very uh, technical here. But a typical model which gets used in banks and say a standard and USC versus something which gets used with all the big data and the analytics and everything. To put it simply, this model can easily lead to uh, delinquency levels which can be half or even one third of that model because of the greater uh, ability to discriminate risk and so on and so forth. Uh, that was not possible in the pre UPI era, it was not possible in the era when we didn't have so much of data, I mean it is a possibility which one is seeing in a much more blooming way only in the last one, one and a half years, that's one thing. I think the second point you're saying on the data side is are there early trends which you can capture which can help you predict your perhaps losses or can drive inputs on uh, say correction intervention? Uh, The answer is yes, uh, you can do that. Here again, I would say um, there are not, uh, there are many, many factors which go into it and a combination of those factors basically lead to, uh, but to uh, put few things uh, just to make it more real, one is, of course, the credit and debit in the account is the most important factor. The There is no better leading indicator than to just look at the credit and debit. Um, in fact, uh, by the time any blue report comes or by the time we get to know that this person has defaulted in another loan, one would uh, argue that one has already missed the opportunity. But any immediate credit, uh, debit in the account is a very, very big indicator. Uh That's one. Second is, uh, um, and then the numbers that I was telling in the beginning, which is the flow drop of you know, 22,000 and now 4,000 is uh, rather uh, important and one has to look at the sense of segment where the drop has been higher versus lower, what the drop has been in green and where's zone, and all of that uh, becomes an important aspect of this uh, whole uh, this thing. Then there's this whole set of factors which are linked to, I would say, um, Linked to uh, the the movement of the customers, so as much as we hear you know the news that uh, there's so much of reverse migration happening, people going to homes et etc et etc, we see that rather very evidently in non data as well uh, that uh, there is a general tendency for people to move towards uh, uh, not in a significant manner. I think uh, sometimes it's a very minor uh, change uh most of the people are at the same place where they are. But any movement, for example, is a very, very big indicator of uh, things being. Uh, uh, but I think uh, some of the other indicators may not be necessarily coming from the data, but it requires a good system to capture all the data in a manner where it can then be consumed. It's things like the contactability, things like disposition, things like uh, you know the 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 response to the calling uh, intervention that one is seeing. So those things. Um, uh, those things are critical. And uh, in terms of whether banks use or other NDFS, see very difficult for me to comment on banks. But I think if one is a bank, it is very difficult to move from their traditional approach, which is worked to use an approach which is in and out data, not only in terms of underwriting, but also in terms of operations, but also in terms of collection and intervention. Very, very different. That's a uh, that's a very uh, very difficult shift to make. Uh, more so when you are, you know, as found in your own sense of comfort of doing the business and that too in a very profitable manner. So I don't know many brands which may be doing it, but, um, and on the FinTech side, I think uh, of course there are many people who claim to do it. I think the important distinction to make here is, uh, you also tend to learn from the experience, right? How many cycles one has seen. So we are able to do it also because not because we have some, you know, great, divine, whatever data uh, analytics capability, but also because one has the benefit of seeing now seven, eight cycles. We have, had, we have been in operation for three and a half years. Uh, six months in our average uh, loan tenure. So we have seen four to five cycles at least in full form. And uh, that uh, data, that benefit uh, uh, actually goes, uh, that adds immensely to the whole uh, learning and, and perfection of the model. So, combination of both things, uh, which has led to where we are. Average monthly inflow was
2: uh, 22,000 uh, per customers down to 3,800. What is this flow? So, sorry, you were referring to a perspective perspective. Uh, so, the flow I was referring to, that if you
0: take a combination of all the credit happening in a person's bank account, in a customer's primary bank account. So, if you are a salary, guy, that is the only inflow that may happen in your account. Is the salary that you get at the beginning of the month. Okay. If you are a self-employed guy, it may be, of course, a lot of it would be cash, and uh, and the number would be a subdued number and all of that. But assuming the proportion were by and large on a large portfolio, it is basically the payment that you are receiving uh, for the whatever, or the or sometimes the money that you are depositing in your account. Uh, that has come down quite dramatically.
2: Oh wow, and still the average uh, balances in the bank account has gone up from 18,000 to 21,000 that you mentioned.
0: Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, so that uh, up,
0: uh, that uh, increase is not sustainable, but rather positive. Correct. And uh, it is a, uh, it is a indicator that people are just holding on to just keeping okay. it uh, with
1: them as a uh, my question is, if you can share some idea on uh, the credit score of your uh, uh, clients, if possible, like how much above, uh, say, a typical round of T, less sort of score, or something like less
2: than 600, sort of.
1: Can you give, share some mix of it? Oh, absolutely.
0: So, we have uh, uh, 40% of our customers, and I'm talking about the new customer, not the repeat customer. repeat, the ratio changes. 40% of our customers are new to credit. The sixty percent is split into uh there is an internal definition we uh letter where uh twelve percent are more than seven hundred eighty. Okay. Uh then you have another thirty-five odd percent which are between seven hundred to seven eighty, and uh then the remaining are less than uh some 12-13% is 100-700. Okay, 12% below 700. So, below 600 hardly anything. So, below 600 we have like 2-3%. Uh, this is based on the latest bureau uh, bureau uh, uh, scores of, say, Sibeli. In that, there is 17% uh, of the population Overall internal population just so that we are talking about the same score because they have changed the score band so frequently sometimes that uh, difficult to 17% of the population has less than
1: 670 if I am not wrong.
0: And uh,
1: are you seeing any uh, negative surprises out of your higher credit score uh, customers during this uh, uh, period? So, in terms of the negative area.
0: Yeah, two surprises uh, which are negative, though nothing to do with Corona. In our portfolio, we have always seen, which may sound very counterintuitive, people who are more than 780 have uh, a delinquency level which is as much as average or slightly more than average. And we have put our uh, head many times to explain why such a thing happening. The only way we can describe this is, there is a sense of, if somebody is coming to us in spite of being such great faithful, perhaps he is taking us as a lender of last resort, And uh, some adverse direction which is happening there. But again, the two pre I again, mean, nothing to do with corona. This has been the phenomenon before. I mean, this also remains a phenomenon. And the difference that I am talking about between the average and given 70 is too small for one to worry about when everything else has As I said moved up and numbers have become quite high. Uh, that is one. The other negative surprise and which is not so much uh, in the realm of uh, surprise per se is, uh, even the 780 plus one can see a delinquency level which is significant. Of course, it is better than say people who are more than the 700 one, but it is still nowhere close to not even even remotely close to what one would expect from the historical data uh, for a 780 to 780 plus DJ, which is basically saying that everything actually has become quite bad.
1: So
0: this this is after uh, uh, March. This okay. is post Corona. After uh, we define post Corona as March twenty fourth. Sure, sure. The average monthly
1: has come down by almost. Uh, 80% from 22000 to, uh, you know, 4000 So, this is unlikely to be salary cuts, right? I mean, what is this? Is people mm-hmm. have lost their job? Or, you know, just help us understand this, how much of this could be self-employed, how much is salary? And within salary, are these people with temporary jobs, and hence, you know, the inflow might be looking a lot lower? Yeah, so, uh, this is uh overall
0: average, and hence, uh, not uh, only salary or self-employed, In this, uh, in our overall portfolio, 50% is salaried and 50% is self-employed. But the 50% salaried, when we uh, do detailed analysis, we realize they are not the true salaried salaries. They are not the imposters working customer or working say a tier one kind of a company. They are basically salaried in a small SME, sometimes uh, salaried in a, um, they are Kirana shop or sala in some out agency which is providing service providing some municipal services and things like that so though they have a tag of targeted but they perhaps bring the same risk as uh, they are self-employed then right? so this data has a huge tilt of self-employed now if we if we take with some definition those people as self-employed we realize our salary to self-employed ratio moves to 30%, thirty percent 33 percent salary and sixty Five, sixty-six percent self Now on salary, to, uh, the, uh, as I was saying, the numbers can be quite uh, extreme, either it is zero or uh, full, and uh, uh, I don't know to what extent the job losses have contributed. When we looked at the data, and this I'm talking about the month of April, it didn't come out that there is a significant level of job losses that have contributed. Uh, but uh, it was uh, more a general drop, so it was a combination of you can call it uh, salary reduction and uh, the general uh, uh, reduction in the income because of the reduction in the economic activity, which has which has rather contributed to this. Okay, oh, got it. And
1: the uh, latest question you mentioned earlier that uh, you know you expect 90% of your customers to pay back in six months' time. So
0: this is the level of salary drop, uh, you know, for so that assumption. Yeah, So it is uh, driven by four things. I think the four points which I was saying. Number one is purely the repeat uh, and the fast labor of the customers. Number two being the fact that uh, there are a set of people who were ready to negotiate. we're ready to pay. Were ready to pay for something to ask for a more delayed payment beyond the three months, but for a longer period as well. Uh, the third is generally, uh, you know, demographic uh, behavior of the customer. Uh, just in terms of their uh, ability, uh, the kind of risk that we have seen uh, for different level of, uh, uh, different level of, uh, uh, basically the demographic factor which goes in uh, while underwriting. The fourth, the most important factor which goes while putting this uh, thing is, See, one of the beliefs that we have is when you look at the riskiness of the customer on a scale of the internal model that we use, we see a lot of these customers who are available uh, for an opt-in moratorium are also lying very high on the uh, rating band. Very unlikely for them to uh, for them to default. It's uh, and for many factors, right? The for those factors which go in our those twenty odd variables, twenty to thirty odd variables which are combination of credit, that is and many other factors. And uh, that basically, and we apply some kind of a haircut to, on that to say, how many will come back, how many will not pay, etc. And we arrive at a number which is more like between 90 to 95 percent for the people to whom we have given more moratorium. Yes. Thank you, and uh, thank you all, all the participants. I think it's a very insightful discussion. There are a lot of key takeaways.